welcome back to another special episode of the Epic Experiment Podcast. It's episode 89, I'm your host, Bruce, and I'm joined on the line once again by Lux. Lux, how are you now? I am doing just fine, like just trying to stay warm. Stay warm, dude, come on, how cold is it in Texas today? It can't be that cold. And Come on. And, and I think in the and uh, high the high today was fifty seven and the low is gonna be nineteen. Oh come on, it's minus twenty Celsius here right now. It's cool, it's fine. You're golden. Put on a sweater, buddy. Put on a sweater and you're good to go. Right? Otherwise, did you have a good new year, bud? Yep. Nice. Good, good, good. Now did yeah, you go had... partying or did you stay stay home? I stayed at like I stayed at home and had me a full glass of Johnny Walker Red Label. Oh, baby. Good stuff. We need to get on here and have, like, get, get, like, a sampling there, Lux. We should get, like, get some lineups of scotches and, like, have some scotch. There we go. Excellent. All right. Uh, we're also joined on the line by a special guest tonight. We have Mike from DDM Gaming joining us. How are you this fine evening? I am doing well, good, sir. Thank you very much for having me. Um, I'm, I'm pretty excited to talk some magic tonight. Excellent. Well, so audience, we'll give you a little, a little heads up. So, uh, I, we, we've encountered Mike in the past through uh, a, another Discord channel. Uh, and Mike you, we used to host a Twitch stream where he'd build decks on Twitch uh, while people watch and interacting with the audience. was super cool. And I saw him post something, a little something, something on Twitter saying, I want to get on some podcasts. And I'm like, well, then we should clearly have a conversation because... I know know some people who have a podcast, so there we go. Glad to have you on tonight. So I'll let people explain where you fit into the world of magic to this time in your life. Uh, what do you do in the magic community? Yeah, so I uh, I wear a couple different hats. Um, probably the the one that I'm known for mostly um, is my my brewing. Uh, I am kind of how do I how do I say this? I have a Moxfield account that has arguably 150 decks in it. I haven't counted recently, but I've gone through and I spent a lot of time doing that. Um, I'm, I'm on Twitter constantly. I used to stream a ton. I'm looking to get back to that. I have a YouTube channel where I used to make videos and gameplay videos, uh, cut them all myself. Um, kind of a jack of all trades kind of guy. If there's a, a deck that people are interested in brewing or want to have eyes put on or anything like that, like, hey, I have this really interesting idea. You know, I'm, I'm curious to see if it'll work. I don't know, you know, what's this at in the third? I'm one of the guys that they'll reach out to. Um, aside from that, I live outside of Philly and around here, the uh, CEDH community. I'm kind of their uh, CEDH dad, so uh, I keep the community a little bit in line emotionally. <laughs> uh, right. And uh, I, uh, I I play EDH all across the board. So everything from Goat Tribal Battle Cruiser Magic all the way up to turn every deck to thirteen and turn two wins. Um, and I Gross. think yeah, my my uh, where I like my personal pride uh, is really in kind of having conversations to be able to close that gap between CDH players and casual players, knowing kind of the position of both and being able to defend both and support both. I, uh, I find the rule zero conversations really necessary. I find those things really intriguing. What questions to ask, what decks to play, how to rate your deck, all that stuff. So excellent. I'm a little of everything. <laughs> a little bit of, and, and an excellent fit to come on the show and talk with us tonight. 
Now, got to ask a question. You have to send the, the CDH players to the room for timeout? Do I? Sometimes. Yeah, you're, sometimes. You're the dad. They get a Come little on. unruly sometimes. There's some finger pointing and some stack corrections that need to happen. And every now and again, there's some bad decisions that need to be made. Um, and, you know, being a father in both magic and in real life, uh, sometimes you got to sit the kids down and explain to them what they're doing wrong. That's just, excellent. That's the way this goes. <laughs> I, I like it. I like it when like the, the old men go and say, no, no, child, that's not how it's done. Yeah. That's not that, how it's done. You got to flex the legs sometimes. That's, that's yeah. what it is. There we go. All right. Little housekeeping here before we get out of the show. Don't forget, folks, if you like our content, you can find it all over at thelotuscouncil.com. Uh, our show gets uploaded there each and every week. Um, you can find our decks on, and the podcast and lots of other cool content over there. However, let's be honest, folks. If you're listening to our podcast, you're looking to find EDH content. There's lots of great players over there in their Discord, which is <clears throat> free. Free to join. You can get have talk to lots of people who, who love EDH and love talking all things Magic the Gathering. So come and check it out. It is by far and away the best value you're going to get to start 2022. Go in and check them out. You're going to love it. All right? So tell them that Lux and Bruce sent you, that the guys on the podcast are, are, are talking you up, and uh, they're gonna, you're going to love it. I promise. All right? So come and see for yourself. That's thelotuscouncil.com. All right. So tonight, guys, we've got uh, three segments. So we'll start with our garbage or great, and then we'll move on to segment two where we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what we see from, from Magic the Gathering and EDH in 2022. And then we're going to let uh, Mike have a little uh, little show and tell with some uh, spicy brews that he brought uh, and willing to share with the audience. So, are we all set? I'm ready to yep. go. I'm here. Right. I'm excited. All right. Here we go. So tonight's card for Garbage or Great is a, is, is, a, is, a, is a goodie. I like this one. It's Skullcrack. So, for one and a red, you get an instant. Players can't gain life this turn. Damage can't be prevented this turn. And Skullcrack deals three damage to target player or Planeswalker. So, what do we think? Is this garbage or is this great? Do we, uh, do we roundtable this thing? Because I have thoughts. Yeah, well, we, we, we usually go roundtable and have everyone sort of like presents their position on the card. So, uh, what do you think? Well, do we, we'll give you first crack at it because, uh, you know, you are the guest. So, Mike, what sure. do you think? Garbage or great? Sure. Uh, so, <clears throat> I think short answer, I'm going to say that the card is great. Okay. Uh, long answer, uh, cards in EDH, as anyone knows that, you know, has been playing EDH in any way shape or form over the last several years um, all of them have uh really really strong moments and all of them have moments where you wish you could just take it out of the sleeve and rip it up that's just how it works um skull crack against fog decks i mean you know bruce you and i were talking earlier about uh a constant miss in one of my uh, one of my favorite edh decks and a good friend of mine um a designer of moxfield harry uh, moxfield.com a shameless plug there uh the uh i constant miss harry all the time and it's one of the skullcrack is one of the few cards that you'll just sit in there and you see him just shaking his head and he'll tutor for it he will find it because it's one of the only ways that you can get away or get around power fog decks is just being able to just slam this down and just go no you're gonna you're gonna deal with this 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 is gonna happen whether you like it or not yeah um 
So I think that Skullcrack is a great card. I think that it's situally, situationally awesome. Um, and, and that's where I stand with it. All right. Excellent. Good defensive. Uh, our friend Skullcrack. Lux, what do you think? Skullcrack, garbage or great? Lux, you're muting yourself, buddy. Are you okay? Uh-oh. <laughs> There you are. Yeah, and they, my mic, for some reason, they disconnected itself. All right, well, you got it back now. So, a skull crack, yeah. garbage or great? I don't think it's great. Seriously, there is no way you can say this is garbage. Okay. So, I'm going to agree with you all that this card is great and people should be playing it. Do you know how many decks it appears in? I do not. What? Wait, can we over okay. under this? Yeah, over under, over under a thousand. What do you think? Uh, I'm can I, I'm gonna shoot with a percentage here. I'm, I'm gonna say less than ten percent of decks are running Skullcrack. How about zero percent of four hundred sixteen thousand decks? So this appears Wait, in this appears in six hundred and sixty decks <laughs> on on EDH rep. So now some people listen. All of exactly. the listeners out there, I need to just take a minute here. Put this in your red decks where you have a green player in the pod come on okay not like, even not even the green player <laughs> not even the green player it's the guy who goes is like who's who plays the incessant life gain deck and you're like and he's and you, and you know if you if he gets if he gets that opportunity he's going to reservoir you and you're going to get like you're going to get just dome for a million yeah like, like you, this card should be going in decks as an answer and like okay so folks I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna be the EDH dad here. It's irresponsible to just let the life gain deck go crazy. Okay, I know everyone wants to do it because it hate it sucks to put life gain hate in your deck. But if you're playing red, slide this in as that 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 silver bullet to give you a chance to take out the life gain deck. If you don't, I, I agree with this. I agree like, with this statement. But yeah, again, like it's if, situational, right? Yeah, we're gonna situa- have a debate here, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> well, the debate's pretty simple because if you don't <laughs> include it, you're letting the life gain deck run wild, and well, now so we've got here, a problem. So, and, so, so here's the situation, though. Here, yeah. here, here's the problem. Uh, some decks that are life gain decks are going to do it um, like repetitively, right? Mm-hmm. Look at a uh, Tristani deck, right? Yes, One that was my thing. I was like, that was like, my I'm thought populate everything and you're yeah. not going to gain any life but you know what i'm gonna do it on the next turn too mm-hmm. so then it becomes kind of like hey, i don't know but the i i'll stand by it i think the fog decks where you have just enough damage to get through but you don't know if they're going to power fog you that is the ceiling of this card yeah is, no, no, I, i'm gonna kill you that's it it's gonna happen <laughs> like i think i think this is dynamite against like a heliod deck or one of those like exsanguinate, uh, where they do it in a big or or a, or a gray merchant deck, where they they're going to get you and it's going to be a big chunk, and you're like, no, nah, no, nah, they're not happening today. Um, you know, like those those sorts of play- gray merchant in particular is egregious, and like skull cracks, <laughs> like aggressive with the life gain, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, and like and the way they're templated, where it's like you gain life equal to the amount of life lost this way, is just absurd. So. If you're a red deck, I appreciate you've now given up a card slot, but let's be real. We're all building decks to try and address a wide range of threats. And if you have life gain decks in your meta, 
and you're not running Skullcrack, why not? Yeah. All right? Yeah, it may not fully address the Tristani deck. Agreed. That one's going to go wild. But it's going to prevent, like, that, 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 that Exsanguinate deck or whatever the Black-White, you know, deck that's going to do yeah, it to I you. I mean, you're Or the Fog right. deck or whatever. There's enough yeah. decks that you want this card. And so why only 660 people are running it? That could be the, the, the way EDH Rex scrapes their data and that it used to be popular and then now it's fallen out of favor because of in newer decks are not, are not going back to adopt old tech. But I think this card is just gas and people yeah, need to I run think, it. I, I think this card... Um, so uh, again, in EDH, you have cards that you know come in and out of favor. And I think when the new Tibalt got printed there's a couple cards that just straight up say you can't gain life but they stick around right so that shuts down the tristani deck that also shuts down the reservoir deck um i think the value that you see out of cards like this are instant speed defend the win condition Agreed. uh if an opponent like you said uh you know they're going to reservoir you this turn because they're going to storm count to a billion like okay well you can't gain life this turn all right your turn is effectively over you yeah. just time walk that person. Nice work. Yeah. Um, you know, fog deck, I'm coming in hot. Uh gray merchant, you know, like you're saying. Like it, it it's a super good card, but I think people are just evaluating it wrong. Um yes. you know, it, it, there's no there's no reason why you can't run Tibalt in this. The, 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 no one's saying that, but I do think that this card does come up and effects like this card should be thought of more often than they are for sure especially now that i did 600 and something decks out of 400,000 like come on people yeah like that i saw the number and like we i, I pulled it up and you was like started talking about how great it was and i'm like yeah i'm like i'm agreeing with you i'm like yeah yeah and it's like in there's there's been uh like a criminally small number of decks so yeah i mean but I, I, I guess that's the bane of a, a 23,000 unique card card pool for edh right <laughs> Among among the problems, absolutely. So we're all we're all coming down the same side here. We all think this card is great, and more you should go be playing it. So uh, go find the skull cracks, take them out of your bulk. I know a lot of you drafted Gate Crash back in 2013, and uh, go and find them and put them in and, and put them in your decks. All right, like, just go put them in there, and 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 then you can thank Mike for having done it. All right, because that Fog player is going to cry. Okay. All right. Let's move on to what we figure is the future of EDH and Magic Gathering in 2022. Are you ready? I'm ready, man. Yeah, I've been taking notes. I've been studying. Yeah, there we go. All right, let's start with some product, all right? So we've seen an awful lot of product. Um, Now, some of it was, 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 it's sort of, I figure, is the holdover from like the year of commander in the pandemic year of 2020, where they're like, literally we were just drowned in commander product. But, um, you know, it feels to me like we've had an awful lot of product pretty much targeted at commander players. Um, basically are we, I'm going to continue to see this. And I think the answer is pretty easy to predict, but I still want to hear your opinion on the matter. So, Mike, let's start with you. Do you think we're go- we're, they're going to continue to zero in on us as Commander players moving forward through 2022? So, I'm, I, I have a weird position with this. So, I, I do think that we're going to continue to see a high volume of product. I, I think that that's going to happen. Um, 
think as commander players, I'm, I'm going to purchase from two different fronts. I think for as commander players, we look at everything through a very, very specific and very, very committed lens. Um, the oh. amount of times you see a card and everybody freaks out and they're like, that's going to get banned. That's going to get banned. This, blah, 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 blah. A lot of times it's because you're looking at it through the lens of just a commander player and you're not realizing that like the card's made for limited. The card's made for standard. Like it, it, we understand. We, we see it. We get it. It's, but it's not all that. Like dial it back a little bit. It's okay. Um, from a business standpoint, if we look at what Watsy's doing, right? One, yes. You know, big, bad, evil corporation doing their thing, trying to make their money. I get it. Um, you know, if any one of us put our business cap on, Unfortunately, and I think all of us will agree upon the fact that, you know, the dollars and cents on the bottom of the paper, that's what pays the bills. So that's uh -huh. what they're going to do. But what I think Watsi is doing right now is actually tactical. Um, I think what they're trying to do is find the band in which there is enough product to satiate the market, but not too little product to keep us all just sitting and waiting bored. Right. So they're yeah. trying to find where the ceiling is. And I think we're close. Um, I think that spoiler season being this indefinite thing um, is a struggle for a lot of people, especially commander players. So what they're going to end yeah. up doing is dialing back some of that commander product or a commander focused product. Um, again, we look at everything through a very specific lens and they're going to keep putting sets out because standard exists modern exists like that that's oh. going to happen but i think that feeling that a lot of people share um that you just spoke about of you know being commander centric and a lot of product and a lot of things like that is just because we get to play with every single card yeah you know modern gets to play with modern horizons too and there's a card in comic or uh you know Strixhaven that worked right like Modern yeah. players don't have that spoiler, you know, indefinite feeling. They they can just cycle in and out and everything's fine. Commander players, man, we just get hit with it and we sit there and we soak in it all year long. And that's why I think we get a lot of the feeling. So that's that's kind of my my two or three pronged approach here in terms of how much product we're going to get, the why and why it feels the way we do. If that makes sense. I think I think you really phrased like summed up the sort of how I feel like we just soak in it, like it just. That's why it feels so, mm -hmm. so much. Because like like everything that comes out, there's something that is for us because we can play with so many cards. And yeah. I think that is uh, that's probably what people talk about when they feel like the never-ending cycle of spoiler season is just so just so draining because we're always we're always in it and we're always like fishing for that next card. And yeah. you know, kind of like we kind of want to break, like kind of, but like. We don't want to get bored, but like, kind of like, you know, I'm kind of looking forward to, you know, we've had, you know, a little dribble of stuff come through the Christmas season. And we've got, you know, almost two months here before Kamigawa hits. We got yeah. a month of January here where we're not, we're probably not going to get too much in the way of new previews. And I'm yeah. pretty okay. With, I'm pretty okay yeah. with that. Like, I, I, like, I think what's going to end up happening is they're going to start cutting back on pre-cons. Um, you know, oh, when man. they came out with every set has their own little like Obun, oh. uh, I think what they're gonna do is they're gonna end up starting to cut back on that, but um, flesh out more not secret layers because I, I both love and hate secret layers, yes, um, as do we all. The 
I think they're going to flesh out more of the the set value of things. They're going to mm-hmm. go deeper into that realm of stuff versus yeah. the precons where like I think that's where they tried to draw the line in the sand. This is what we're this is commander product for commander players and this is standard product for standard players. But commander right. players can also use it. Well, when you give us 37 precons in a year, like it no longer oh. feels like that. Now it just feels like too much. We're we're just getting too much, and now we can't we can't differentiate. We we don't know where the line in the sand is. We don't know where we're going. Yeah, so. yeah, no, I agree. I and I find the I I have my my objection to the precons. I just find they all feel too generic. Like they're never there's never enough point, bite. Yeah, to, dude. Never enough bite to them. Never enough bite, and you're like, okay, like why would I buy this product here? Like, yeah, that ended. You know what? You know when it ended? It ended right when they had that. Sh- uh, that I almost slipped. The bad run in a. Uh, I think it was 2018. It was the year with Astrid and uh, Aminatu and yeah, yeah, yeah. Wingrave. Like everybody was so partial to those decks because they, honest to God, they weren't great out of the box, and the reprint value wasn't all there. So you you kind of lost the value in the secondary market, and they got a little wishy washy. <laughs> and then I think at that point, Watsi was like, okay. Well, we can't make that one mistake once a year again. So we'll just do 37 of these and at least 10% of them have to hit. So let's oh. do it. Well, yeah. And like they just, well, we go. okay. Lux a second. I'm going to come back to this idea of the pre-cons in a second. But hey, Lux, where do you, you want to jump in here? What do you think product-wise? You were going to shop. So like, what what do you see sell at your store? Like, what like, are, are people jazzed for like... Do people care about like things like set boosters and junk, or like people are, are really into like precons? What's up? For the most part, the the precons don't normally sell unless like it's a deck that has something that they want in it. And like the well, set like, boosters, like the, like the Will deck, like the Will yeah. deck, like, oh, yeah, like, 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 like that, wildfire. Yeah, like that sold out day one. Gross. And like the set boosters. People don't normally buy those unless they it's all that they had to go with. Yeah, they don't like I, I'm I'm very confused with step boosters, but that's just, that's another discussion altogether. Like I'm very confused with like why they exist and I, well actually I have a theory of why they exist, but anyway. Um no, like yeah, like so you're telling me the precons don't go. I've noticed has someone who plays the game, the precons, um, when they were introduced with Oban and Anawan with uh, Zendikar Rising. But they were essentially hot garbage. They were hot garbage. Like I bought the Oban deck. I recently tore open because I wanted to. I wanted like let's call it 25 cards for an Omnath deck because I want to build. I wanted to build four color Omnath that I wanted the land. The landfall matters cards like the Admonition Angel and things like that out of it. And I'm going to be very blunt. The rest of the deck is garbage. It is trash. Yeah. I think it's by like, design though. Well, yes. But if you've noticed, like since then, we got to the precons this round. Well, actually, from AFR, the Prosper deck alone, like that, pro, like that would have been once upon a time would have been part of the annual precon or like, precon release. That yeah, Prosper deck, it was suitably sure. inno- innovative and dynamic enough. Like, yeah, that's going to be the black red deck, and that will help deck. That would have been one of the one of the precons too. Um, and then, you know, whatever else, a couple of the, like the, the actual precons from Strixhaven mm-hmm. and maybe something else, right? Like there would have been like five decks out of the 15 they brewed and like of the 15 or 20 or whatever it is they were, most of them were trash, but they've spent 
since we've rolled past the, the annual pre-con release, in, which was a, they labeled with a Strixhaven product, AFR, Midnight Hunt, and now um, Crimson Vow have all been significantly a more expensive, but also significantly yeah. stronger. Because... So, oh, yeah. go ahead. Well, anyway, I just find, like, even I think they're departing from that initial movement and, like, that, that initial, like, notion of a pre-con and have gone to something where they're recognizing that these decks are crap and we need to do something to, to, to make them more appealing or else they really will not sell. Um, but I still think they'd be best, best served going back to the once-a-year once annual pre-con setup instead of this, like, literally... Yeah a dozen like 15 decks or whatever we've had or more i don't even know how many they've had way too yeah. many As I, I, I don't know how i feel about that but i i so again i think this is you know a, a symptom of looking through the lens of a commander player we have a lot of cards and i know what decks i like to build and this deck is straight garbage and then there's another person that's like man this deck is hot because they're seeing all kinds of weirdness and lines and, and whatever going on if we look at it from a, like we put our business hat on, right? When this deck came, when, when did this deck came out? Uh, twenty twenty? No, it wasn't. Was Zendikar was that? Twenty twenty. Which was that? Is that part of the black hole that was COVID? Twenty twenty. Uh, commander product that year was the uh twenty twenty. Which one was that? Oh, geez, I don't even know anymore. Yeah, I know. Right oh, that now. was the the that was the. That was the course that released in the April of 2020, and so that was yeah. the that was the um, there was the human one, and then there was the the mutate one, and then there was a couple of other ones that I don't remember. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So if we look at the conversations that are had between, um, again, look at 2018 as their timeline, right? Because you have a two-year development period for 80% of this product. If you look at 2018. What was the largest complaint about the 2018 Commander decks that came out once a year? Remember that, just once yeah. a year. What was the largest complaint about those decks? So those are those performance for, related. So for audience, that was the year they printed they printed Planeswalkers as the lead singers, multicolored Planeswalkers as the as the lead as the lead singer of the song of the deck. So you had Sahili, you had Windgrace, you had Estrid, you had Enematu. Those yeah. are the four. Um, yeah, they, they were boring. Um, they were boring and they also had no reprint value yeah right yeah. I, you i distinctly remember uh command zone going on doing their their high and low right like looking at the reprints alone what is the value and everything was every deck was wildly low yeah um yeah i recall i think they took that as a way for us to look at okay Clearly, the community wants reprints. They're tired of paying $65 for, you know, card X, whatever it is. Um, how do we get them these reprints and, you know, make sense of the product? But really, it's just kind of just we're going to print these cards out so we don't more into the market and go. And I think that the 2020 pre-cons that we're, we're talking about, right? If we look at Oboon, like, there's a couple cards in here that definitely were up there at one point in time not anymore but i'm trying to look at the deck list and just peel through it quick but i mean 
you have angry omnath right $2.18 like that card definitely was not $2.18 for a long time like they there's a lot of different things that i think fluctuated um let's see going way back here yeah no you're Um, absolutely right there was there 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 were i think that i think that's what the symptom was right we we look at all the decks and we look at the product and we go man that deck sucks but i can take these 15 cards out throw these 15 in it's gonna be bomb but watsy's looking at it like okay they wanted reprints somebody wanted angry omnath and doesn't want to pay 10 bucks for it you know what let's just dump six thousand of them into the market right now in this pre-con and call it a day and, and yeah. that's where we're at. And now that the pre-con, like you don't hear the reprint argument too much anymore. You hear it selectively, but you don't hear it constantly. And that's no, always true. what happened at that that one that pivotal once a year summertime release of this commander decks was. Oh, what are they going to reprint? But you don't hear that anymore. Yeah. So now they're going to start bumping up the quality of the pre-cons, which unfortunately is going to come with a price hike and whatnot. But you're less worried about the reprints that are going to be in it, and more worried about you know. What's the commander do? What's the cards in the deck do? What kind of unique strategy? And that's why we got Prosper, which is an awesome deck. 100% yeah. agree. Yeah, and Prosper. I think that's where we're at. I, I hope so, because, like, I hope we get more of the dynamic. Like, like Will Health's pretty cool. Like, he's dynamic. Um, I own Will Health. That deck is awesome. Yeah, that deck is pretty cool right out of the box. Like, you don't need yeah, to man. do much to it. You just need to, like, open it up and, like, oh, yeah, it's cool. Um, Prosper was, was pretty neat um some of the few of the other ones kicking around from afr were also pretty sweet the new yeah. actually the new black red like strafon or whatever is the the, the blood token mattering the blood token guy vampire yeah. vampire yeah. is pretty cool too but, like there's some neat things that are going on in those that were way more interesting than like open open was like a big old sack of boring so yeah uh, and i mean it was a landfall deck that was it, yep. it was just landfall matters but it was an opportunity to print reprint again Omnath, Amaria, yada yada, you know, Baylos. There's no yeah, reason man. why rampaging Baylos should be anything over three bucks, period. Uh, or how about thirty-eight cents? Yeah, like it, it shouldn't be anything near like. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So, all right, cool, good talk. All right, good talk about product. Okay, move on to the digital because digital is kind of a big thing too in the world of Magic: The Gathering these days. So let's talk with uh about mtgo first because it is at least so as much as it has its flaws it does allow for us to play full-blown commander on mtgo um but it's a bit of an issue because you end up having to invest in a platform and the interface is not necessarily easy to play with do we see commander players considering that the pandemic is still pretty much raging um, this Omicron vir- variant is like going to sh- is like just shut down my province again. Do we see MTGO becoming a significant component of the Magic community uh, and the EDH community? You know, moving into twenty twenty two. Um, just going off the the pattern that we got going right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm gonna say no. I I don't think MTGO. MTGO is the website you use when uh, other things are not available. It's not the first one you pick up. Um, Agreed. For for a select group of people, right? Like there there is a very very strong valid argument for running MTGO. Um, mm-hmm. You know, vintage cubes. You see a lot of old school like 
entrenched players, right? LSV, you see uh, Emma Handy, all these different people. They'll go on there and, and cube it up. They'll they'll play all these different tournaments. And, and yes, that market exists. But for Commander players, I know. like Commander on MTGO is at, is atrocious. It is god awful. Um, yeah, it's rough. It, it, I for the entirety of quarantine, I used the Moxfield Playtester and OBS just to overlay it. And it worked perfectly fine. And there are any number of options that exist just like that that are 16 times better than anything you will see on MTGO. The only difference is you have to resolve your own triggers. Um, I I don't think MTGO is going to do... You will not see an uptick in it. It will exist. It is a good product, but it is not a great product. And I I don't think that it will carry the community anywhere near what Spelltable is. Gotcha. All right, Lux, your thoughts. MTGO? I don't see it becoming a thing. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm going to keep it short too, because like, yeah, I agree. I, I think the pro, I think the, the product, like you say, is a good product. I think for what it, for for allowing people to play with all the old cards, it is has its place. But uh, I don't think it's ultimately going to be much of a player, considering that when we move, uh, we, we the move to spell table has been, I think, a real godsend for oh, yeah. uh, for us and it's replaced. Has replaced what MTGO would have the void MTGO might have filled at the beginning of the pandemic, but now it's like forget it, forget it. Like yeah. that that ship has sailed. Um, yes, you say like there are people who get on there and like to play Commander on MTGO. Um, I'm not that guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I don't. I, I have played a couple games on MTGO, and I remember just sitting there like I can't see your board state. I don't know how many cards are in your graveyard. I don't even know what anything looks like. Like this is. Painful. Which is bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There we go. All right, so let's move on to Arena. Because um, Arena doesn't offer Commander. It offers Brawl, which, uh, and Historic Brawl, which um, I think there was a time when Wizards of the Coast was trying to take this as a reasonably serious development in there for people to get people excited about it. Um, and it has some similarities to Commander, and it could be pretty fun, but... Um, I think for it to be something that would be really appealing to commander players, there would have to be a multiplayer component to it. Whereas right now, the way it's offered as a 1v1 um, mode, it's not really commander adjacent. Um, so I think, I mean, personally, I think the format, like, like Arena, we, we, there's no doubt it is the, the better pl- client to go and play on uh, if you're looking to play digitally. But if you're a commander player and you really want to play, get your commander fixed, um, there really is no avenue to do that through Arena. Brawl falls short in many regards unless they can put together a, a multiplayer package that I don't think the, the platform is going to be able to support. Um, so where, where do we find it, like, come out on Brawl? Is this thing, is Brawl going to, could Brawl like, take off in 2022 if they were, tried to reinvigorate the format in some meaningful way? So, <clears throat> I, I, again, I have uh, probably two seats on this. Um, and I'll start with the simplest one. Uh, Historic Brawl is a way for commander players of all varieties. You, me, any, you know, all the way through the band, right? 10 to 1. Yeah. Um, to play test new cards. Instead mm-hmm. of looking at it as an outlet to play commander, 
look at it as an outlet to play test a card that came out in Strixhaven. Yeah. What does this card do? And that's what I've been using Historic Brawl for. Mm -hmm. um, I have built, I, once I found out what Historic Brawl was, I went insane. Um, and I have like 13 or 14 different decks and I've only been playing it for maybe a month. Um, but that's where I, you know, I told you I have a Rael deck in there and that's where I play tested some of the new Crimson Val cards. Right. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I have an Agar deck in there. I have a Hapatra deck in there where I play test a bunch of different little shenanigans back and forth. Um, there's a Jorn deck that I have in there that's just kind of doing its thing. So I, I will 100% agree with you that it does not give you the commander fix, right? It's 1v1. It's, you know, you don't have four players, but it does give us an opportunity to look at some of the cards that are released and just see kind of what their impact is on the decks that we love to play. Uh, you know, hopefully the commander's there. If not, then okay, that's a symptom of the game and we can, we can work it out. You can still play a Golgari commander and figure out what your card wants to do um, and take it from there. Second to that, I would say that historic brawl is a very, very strong it, it, it's for the it, it's for the extremes right you yeah. either play it extremely casually or you play it very competitively um right and i've seen both sides of that right that that, that whole setup is for people that want to play um you know they have a commander that they know will never see the light of day on a four-man pod because it just can't get it done and they know that but they will play it in a 1v1 because it's just fun. Yeah. Or you have a psychopath like me that's like, hey, I want to play Rael and draw 65 cards in a turn and just see what happens. Um, and <laughs> you go that route. Um, but you very rarely see the middle ground where you're just like, dirt and like you're not climbing a ladder in a historic brawl. Like, that's not a thing. So. Yeah. That's that's my spot on historic brawl. I think it's awesome. I think it's good. I think it's a great play test environment, and it's good for you know the super casual or super competitive to figure out new interesting lines to just kind of get at it. Fair enough. No, I think I could echo some of that. Lux, give you a shot. What do you think? Brawl is it going to? Uh, do you think Wizards could do something to tweak it to make it uh, more appealing to to, to the community? I mean the. The thing about Brawl is that it doesn't really carry the same appeal that EDH does because I mean, the Brawl is kind of the same thing. Like it's 100 card singleton, but they, it's basically like 60 cards instead, but it's limited. And so the thing about EDH that really had an appeal was that the, there was basically no limit to what you could add into your deck just as long as like you only have one copy of this, this card. I mean, there was basically no set limits. Interesting with an oh. like with arena. Like, like, I've said this before, but like, yes, it's formulated better than MTGO is, but there's also the fact that like, you can't get too invested into it because something like, it follows standard rotation. Like, like say that they like, you were playing around goes around and you have to deck out. Well, right now that deck. Is basically obsolete. You can't use it anymore. Well, I mean, you can go put it in historic and 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 play around with it there. So you can still you can still get value out of it. Um, so I'm not sure that totally washes. But uh, I get your point though. Like 
the card pool is more limiting. There's no doubt. And if you were playing, if you if you if you launch into brawl, like just their the brawl offering, you're right. Like you are playing with the cards that are that are available in standard. And so yeah, you're gonna you are going to encounter a situation where you are your card pool is limited. But that's not necessarily all bad either. I mean, it produces innovation by restriction, which I don't think is which is horrendous. Um, I definitely have found that uh, Brawl as an outlet. I tend to play Brawl rather than Historic Brawl. I tend to also echo like Mike's suggestion that you I use it as a as an avenue to uh, to to play test new cards. Um, where you know I've taken I've had a lot of uh, actually migration from like the things that I was I've been fooling around with on Brawl to actual commander decks. And I'll give you an example. Like I was fooling around with a Valky deck and um, the inclination when you're playing Valky as your commander is that you want to play him as Tybalt on the back. However, I discovered that playing Valky as a two-mana Fotsies, look in your opponent's hand, get full information, is really powerful. And so I translated that to commander where he's even more powerful because... The way he's worded, it doesn't just say look at one opponent's hand. It looks at all opponents' hands, so you get complete information from the table for two mana. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. hugely powerful. And yeah. so you know, I, you know, and but it was by having play tested Valky and saying like, what would have happened if I played this as the creature and not as what everyone wants wanted to do when the, he first was spoiled as a planeswalker? What does the Valky half offer? That you know, and playtesting that in brawl that gave me that exposure where I'm like, okay, like this card has got a lot of chops, um, because it's more, way more than a one trick pony, and I wouldn't have I wouldn't have discerned that on my own unless I had a chance to play it on on brawl. Um, you know, same thing. I had a similar experience with with Erith or Erith. I'm not sure how to pronounce her, but we had her last week on her show. Where kind of like Riel, they're like. It's kind of like I kind of want to exile a bit of bajillion cards off the top of my deck, see what mm-hmm. I find, and, and go ham. So I, I I agree. I think it makes a really it's a really good playtesting avenue, uh, and you can learn a lot about what your cards are doing and interactions that they happen to have. Um, and to because some of these cards like Erith doesn't look like much. It really doesn't until you try it out and you're like, oh wait a minute, there's way more here than I first anticipated. So. Um, I think it like it does offer some some interesting uh, nuggets. I think you're right. It doesn't scratch the itch, and I mean, if it had a multiplayer mode, I might be more inclined to to commit a little more thoroughly. But as it stands right now, I I'm not quite there, and I'm I enjoy it when I sit to play it. But um, yeah, I, I'm not sure it's I'm not sure it's 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 the be all and end all of what I want to do with my my my, my magic playing. I'm I still think that. And del- delving into the world commander is is more to my style. Yeah, and I I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, I I think that I think there's there's a part of us that just needs to settle with the fact that Arena is never going to have a commander part. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that I'm okay with that. Uh, me personally, I, I I'm alright with it. I will still invest some money into it. I'll use it as a playtester. Historic Brawl I find to be very very fun uh brawl i i despise it as a concept <laughs> um, see uh, that, that, I, that that that's the commander player talking to you huh? that's the that's the commander player talking to you where you're you're not prepared to accept the rotation of cards well i'll play standard 
and I'm okay with rotation, and that's perfectly fine. But I find that brewing a singleton 60 card deck that functions smoothly and does everything I want to do and have it be satisfying is hard to do with a standard card pool. Um, historic, they are treating it kind of like a, a selective, I'm going to build your sandbox for you, but I'll give you all the sand. And I, I think they've they've done really, really well with the cards that they've put in historic. Um, and the fact that you their, their ban list is very small, which is fine because it's only existed for, uh, you know, a year maybe. Um, but, like, I can hop on there and play a Savella Paradox Engine deck which has an infinite loop built into it. Like I, I can yeah. do weird broken things uh, in historic brawl that will never ever see the daylight in brawl. And oh, a fair. lot of legendary creatures that come into brawl, they, they eh. Aerith is cool, yeah. but Aerith in historic brawl is cooler. <laughs> that's fair. No, that's fair. And I, I mean, I, I, I made, I made, dabble in it i haven't i haven't dabbled with it yet um but again being free to play on arena it doesn't cost me much to get in there yeah. and and play with the play with the cards that i've got and see what i got so yeah anyway. i think you i think you yeah. have a, a similar mind like me and i think you'll find historic brawl actually has a lot more brewing potential oh, in it maybe. than you would see on the surface fair enough um but, yeah lux you want to jump in there like I was just gonna say is that like as a commander player and someone that works at is an LGS, I'm kind of biased when it comes to in-person play versus online play. Mm-hmm. Not fair. No, that's fair. Like I mean, your paycheck gets paid by people coming into a store instead of people sitting on their computer at home. So I get it. I, I, I really do. Um, which brings us a really good segue to play generally. Um, the thought around returning to in-person um, and I guess part of it is that we've seen like SCG and we've had the Channel Fireball event in Vegas. Um, are are people like? Do you think players are still have an appetite for going out to large events and going out to and, and against playing with people they're unfamiliar with? Or because I I mean I do know that during throughout the pandemic there have been play groups that have been um, that have that have remained intact that have decided that they're going to continue to meet on a weekly basis and play whatever which is fine like small groups of people gathering is not a problem it never have it never has been but when we have the larger events going to the lgs going to the you know the 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 event that is you know statewide or or whatever and or the the, the big con event locally is there still much of an appetite for this considering that you know here we are looking at yet another pretty serious uh, spike in in COVID cases. Um, I think in person play, you know, you, you use the word appetite a lot. I don't think that'll ever go away. Um, it's just the balance of you know what's your appetite for in person play versus your concern of getting sick. Um, yeah, and a lot of people are weighing that based on crowd size. Um, mm-hmm. I did go to PAX, uh, masked up, vaccinated, did my card, did the whole kit and caboodle, safe. Uh, I was okay with it, but I understand that there are people that are not, and that's just something that we have to eat. Uh, SEG has just announced their tour. I guarantee in the office they had a conversation that, okay, 
let's look at what we initially put into these, you know, going back three years now, two years now, mm-hmm. you know, maybe our budget for this weekend was a million dollar budget to set everything up and everything cut. Well, we're expecting 50% less attendance period, just right off the rip. Yeah. How do we balance that? Um, I, I wouldn't say that there would be event caps, right? Like they're not going to cap a public fun event like PAX. They're not going to do that, but tournaments, I would, I would definitely see, um, I would foresee event capping, you know, we're going to yeah. cap it at 128 players so we can spread everybody out, um, which they may pivot into something else that says, hey, you know, we're going to cap it at 128 players, but we're going to have four of them so that everybody gets a shot. Um, Commander-wise, I think that people are comfortable with their play group. I think some people have converted fully to digital. Yeah. Um, my play group did that, right? We play every Wednesday at this point because that's just the time that works out well to digital play. Um, By digital, you mean on spell table? Yeah, yep, on spell right. table. And then we, I, uh, you know, I've been very blessed to have moved into a different house and we got everything stable and we actually have the room now that I can actually host FNM. So I am actually comfortable with the two or three people that I would invite to my house right. Right, right. to play that game. Anything larger than that, I don't want that many people here. Like, I'm just not... First off, I'm not that social. Second, I, I, yeah, I, we're, it's not the time for that, so... Cool, 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 cool. No, I agree, I, you know, can totally sympathize. Lux, you might have a different perspective. You work in a shop, so uh, what do you think? Your community is coming into your store. What's the appetite for, um, for in-person play? I think one of the changes that I've seen recently is that like, pre-pandemic, like, for events like F&M or pre-releases, like, we would have a full house. Well, now they are seeing the like, low attendance for pre-releases, only half attendance for F&M. And well, they, not very many people are really wanting to come in and play anymore, unless it's just like a casual game. Yeah, I, and I got, I, I mean, I can, I can echo those people's sympathy, like, sympathies. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm somebody where I would not be prepared to, to step foot in a store for extended hours to play at a pre-release or to play an F and M. Um, I would much rather, you know, go in, buy what I need to buy. Um, you know, I've I've been to many stores and bought you know plenty of things as the pandemic has worn on, but I'm not I'm not prepared to sit down yet and play in person with people. I don't even play with my own play group in person at this point. I'm like you, Mike. My play group has migrated to Spell Table, and so you know my my play group will play probably once a month. We'll play that way. Um, I'll I'll squeeze in some extra games through um online communities that i've connected with through discord and but they're all done through spell table um so you know that has been my outlet and i don't really have a lot of appetite for for in-person play at this stage because i don't feel like i'm prepared to accept being sick i've got a young family i've got um you know you know you know as much as my my, my two daughters are tw- like two years old they're they are they're unvaccinated at this point so you know, if we yeah. can mitigate risk to some degree, then I'm going to do that. So, um, you know, that's where I sort of come out on the on the play piece. I think Spell Table has been a revelation too. I think it's been yeah. been a fantastic way to um, bridge from having playing just in person to 
uh, you know, the, the world of being pandemic locked up at home, it has been an absolute revelation. Now, it does limit some of your decks that you can play because, you know, that Gaunty deck that you want to play that steals all the things from someone's deck, maybe you shouldn't play it because it's really hard to represent that on a table. Um, particularly when you're, you know, not, you're playing through a webcam and not sitting, sitting face-to-face. That said, I still think it's been a, a terrific uh, development and really has allowed Commander to continue to, to thrive, um, you know, and keep people safe as, uh, and accept like the, the level of risk that they're prepared to accept. So, um, you know, I thought, you know, all those people that went to Vegas, I thought they were very brave. And I mean, glad they went. I'm glad they enjoyed themselves. But I thought they were unbelievably brave and it was just not something I would have prepared to to accept i looked at it i'm like oh no um yeah and i think a lot of people were in that camp yeah and i think from vegas yes there were there were a couple of people that were sick or got sick yeah. after the yeah. fact and you know they they discussed it and they handled it and it, it, no matter what you do biology is going to do what biology is going to do um mm-hmm. that's just kind of the world we live in yeah. but from a, a player perspective and even from a shop perspective lux and i mean you, know, you work at a shop I think the community has really come together and found interesting, fun, innovative kind of ways to continue to play. And even from a shop perspective, um, where around where I'm at, they're they're holding events on Arena, right? Like they're giving out shop codes and and pairing groups on Discord and and using Discord to hold you know F and M nights and really just kind of innovate the way they're doing stuff like it, it's a challenge yes and you can't play certain decks yes but at the same time i mean we want to support our local shops we want to make sure that everybody's still doing what they're doing we want to make sure that we're taking care of people and the speed at which some of these services and some of these things have come online has been phenomenal you know yeah the pandemic is terrible but yeah. it, it it's breed it bred some innovation i'll give it that uh you know it, yep. there's been some interesting things that have resulted from this so no doubt no doubt there's definitely the, the 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 innovation that has stemmed from this has been fantastic I continue to see the evolution of uh of the game in in a, in a trying time so i think it's yeah. been uh it's been very i think ultimately it's been very positive like i mean i think on the whole like sure like i missed the in-person play but the fact that i have been able to enjoy playing through spell table and many people have um has been you know something that's allowed the game to continue to be fun and and dynamic still so i think yeah. that's been lots of lots of good to be had for sure 100%. uh let's talk some bannings uh hypothetically speaking of course there's no bannings <laughs> looming <laughs> oh pardon me um okay we'll but, cut it out in post yeah yeah I'll, I'll just tell the editor to go back and cut out where uh bruce hacks up a lung um, now there are no bannings coming apart. From, I mean, we, there did make a bit of a stir a little week, a couple weeks ago, I think, when Sheldon did comment that you see that, or Mike, that Turgrid's on his watch list as car, of cards to that may uh, get, oh, garner. Yeah. That's a whole conversation in and of itself, and I I, I agree <laughs> with it. I agree with it. People are going to hate you for it, but that's again, it's play experience. No <laughs> one, not even the Turgrid player, likes playing that card. It's true. 
just and if he the does, way it is. <laughs> if, he, if, if he likes to play it, he's a bad person. He's a bad person. I mean, I go that far. I'm just saying there, there's a oh, certain well. point where it's like Oppo Agent. You you can play an Oppo Agent one time, and people are like, all right, we got to handle that. You play a Turgor, and people are like, I can't fetch. I can't do any, like nothing. nothing. Like, I can't sacrifice. Like, it's so limiting on the game. And it makes uh, the most important part is it makes the play experience really nasty on three people. Yeah. Like, Oppo Agent doesn't let you tutor. Like, okay, you shut off my Evolving Wilds and my Fed. Okay, I get it. But you don't get them. Like, we don't have to go through this whole rigmarole. Like, I can just sit here now. Like, Turgrid is a... That's an angry lady. And and you know that that guy's packed his deck full of nastiness. To oh, make yeah, you to abuse the holy bejesus out of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, anyway, that's the side. While we know where Sheldon is considering banning, which would be our friend Turgrid, is there something that you have in the back of your brain that might, might warrant a banning come 2022? You and Lux go first. Okay. And Lux, I'll, I'll come up with something. Yeah, Lux, do you have a, is there a card you want to see banned? I know, like, maybe just islands for you, Lux. Maybe just ban all the islands. <laughs> well, like, if that would happen, then that would uh, run the plans that I'm having for this year. Uh-oh, okay, so maybe not islands. Okay. Well, is there something you'd ban there, Lux? Or, or do you think this, the format's in a pretty good place right now? Well, and the, the number one card has already been mentioned tonight, Turgrid, and I, she's frightening. Like, I don't. She's I don't very want to see, like I seriously don't want to see her on the table. Well, okay, uh, she is the god of fright. So just so we're clear, she's done her job. You were scared. You were scared out of your pants. Did you, I mean, I mean, if someone sits down, with, like if T Money sits down to play with you, my friend, you better get your brown pants on. So, uh, yeah, no, um, there's no doubt. Turgrid is pretty daunting to say the least. I mean, it's not the most egregious card I've ever seen, but definitely. From a standpoint of like, ruining a play experience, like yeah, she ruins the game because if you don't remove her instantaneously, like the game now re revolves around her, and that's miserable because nothing nothing good ensues. Let's just put it that way. Um, and they, they, I, that, I, oh, go ahead. Look, go ahead. I was just gonna say is they, they, another one that comes to mind. And they, I know that this is probably just me being salty, but they, the one card they. I have to see to be completely axed into oblivion. It's like winter orb. Like I want that thing gone. Like I don't care about rules. You know, like you I don't. Winter orb? Yeah, oh. I don't want you to have the option of playing it whatsoever. Okay, like so again, so the good news is Lux. Um, on on our show, you can you can ban whatever you want. Uh, so that's the beauty of it. So Lux wants winter orb gone. Um, let's go have. I have. It's been a long time since I've talked about winter orb. Let me go just have a quick read of it here. Sorry, folks. Uh, this is this is quality podcasting at its best. Uh, Winter Orb and no, that's Ord, Bruce. That's not the same spelling. There it is. Winter you can Orb. Only one tap, one permanent. That's miserable. Okay, yeah, I would agree with you, Lux. Um, that would be unfun to me. I know there are players out there who love their Winter Orb. I, 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 and oh, I remember this card now a long time ago, where you. Uh, Tap it with a with a with a ice with an icy manipulator yeah. on your turn, so you can untap, and then you can go and do. Oh yeah, this one. Okay, 
Um, no, it's had a resurgence yeah. in popularity because of uh, Galazeth and uh, a couple other cards. Urza being a big one, right? Oh, Urza, yes. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm gonna agree with you, Lux, on that one. Um, I don't like Winter Orb either because I think it makes people sad. It just makes people very very sad at the table and everyone cries. So uh, I like that one. Uh, <laughs> my my vote for if I could ban a card is a little bit different in scope. Instead of making people salty. I would ban Arcane Signet, um, which may be a hot take. I appreciate. My objection to it is like, so I don't have an objection to like powerful mana rocks because like I have no problem with the old ones, like the Warm Power Stones and the Sol Rings and stuff like that. But those are kind of like oddities of the format, like particularly Sol Ring, which people like, people go and like cite as like, oh, well, Commander plays Sol Ring. I'm like, well, yeah, Commander plays Sol Ring. Just like Legacy plays Brainstorm. It's like, what? It's one of those cards that gives the the, the format some character. And. And, like, yeah, it's ubiquitous because every deck starts with 36 land. Card 37 is your is your Sol Ring. And, uh, but now, since Throne of Eldraine, which really wasn't that long ago, if you think about it, I think it was, like, a fall of 2019, in the mm-hmm. last two years, the next card you put in your deck is Arcane Signet. And I kid you not, I that's how I build decks. Like, when I build our deck every week here, folks, build, like, card number two is... Um, is, is going to be Arcane Signet because there's no reason not to. In most estimations, uh, if, if that I can you know figure out, it is the most cost-effective, most impactful two-drop that I can put in my deck. So I'm going to do it. And so, and like furthermore, like it fits in. It, like just so people are aware, this is a card that was printed two years ago. And it is in how many decks? Let's just have a quick Gander, Arcane, Signet, I believe is in like 53% of all decks. So it appears in um, 460,000 decks in EDH Rec, or, or 53% of all decks that are, that, are, that are listed in their database. Like, I'm sorry, folks. Like, that's a pretty stifling number of cards to, like, number of decks to have this this card feature prominently in it. And what I think it does, because it is so ubiquitous, it is actually detracting from people's creativity because you lose a card slot to yet one more super staple. Because let's imagine you're you're playing a tokens deck. Well, you've got your card suite of staples for that token matters, your anointed processions, your parallel lives, so on and so forth. Those go in your deck. And so you're losing card slots to those staples. Or let's imagine you're a life gain deck and you lose to Exsanguinate, Death of the Daffles, Grey Merchant, and a few and a handful of other cards that go in your deck. Boom. Well, you're losing out on some of that like sort of additional options that are available. And that to me is what makes Commander great, is that flexibility. Uh, that you can go and put something in. And uh, yeah, you can go put in um, an, an, an arguably bad mana rock, but I would, you know, say, but what's what's the purpose in that? Like, you, if the card is legal, you can play it. I would like to see it removed from being that legal so people then go have to branch out and looking into other things. Um, we had on the podcast a number of weeks ago, um, Chris Martin from, from uh, Chicago Style Gaming, and we were talking sort of this same idea of limiting card choices. And uh, we were actually pitching, uh, it was an interesting article about 120 being the new 100 to give people those extra card slots to try and find those some of those creative choices. Well, this would be an easy way to, to sort of 
continue in that vein, remove the card outright from the format, um, and give and, and give people back that card slot and let them go and do whatever they want to do with their deck. Um, maybe it forces some people to be innovative. Some people, maybe some people don't bother to put a mana rock in back at all and just jam something else. Maybe they just jam another land. But um, I do think Arcane Signet being just so prevalent is, is something that should probably be banned. It's never going to make anybody sad. It's never going to make make people salty at the table. But I think because it just appears everywhere that we could probably be done with it as being some some feature of the format considering it's only been around for two years mike what about you i like the argument oh? <clears throat> i'm i'm i was i was digesting your okay digest uh, away digest away yeah uh so again I, arcane signet i can Again, your 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 angle is not financial. Your angle is no, not no. Iona. Your it, it no. is purely a card slot in there. Um, I strongly disagree with the hundred to hundred and twenty card uh, thing. Oh, that I'm not I'm not on board with that in any way, shape, or form because I I think it's going to do bad things. Um, but if you took Arcane Signet out, right? It it is it is an accidental card. Right. Yep. Everybody said that it is. It is what it is. What I think you end up getting is, um, you'd see a drop in four and five color decks, and you would see a, an uptick in the cost of talismans, yeah, or tal or Felwar stones, stuff like that. Yeah. Um. So I I don't think it would be missed. I think people just need to look beyond it. But if it's there, it's there. Yep. You know, Basically. if there's OJ in the fridge, I'm gonna drink OJ. That, that's just okay. All right. Yep. Yeah. That's what it is. Um, but I, I can definitely understand the, the the card slot limitation perspective. That it it definitely it's a super powerful card for a reason. Um, I was sitting here trying to ponder a card that either drives me bananas or just needs to go away. Uh, and it smacked me right dead in the face that I absolutely despise Thoracle. Um, oh, yeah. Like, to the point that, like, my, I specifically brew decks to not use it. And some call that a, a brewing challenge for me, and I'm, I, I'm okay with it. Um, I think that. The way that the card is worded, unfortunately, uh, it creates too much of a you just need this card yeah, for yeah, certain yeah. decks in certain play styles. Uh, again, yeah. I play casual and I play CEDH. CEDH is completely buried into what we call the Dockside format. Um, yeah. And a lot of our win conditions are based around... Um, you know, two blue and a black, right? Thoracle and demonic consultation, retain impact. Um, ad nauseum decks do the same thing, right? Because yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say some names here. Uh, Cobblepot is a very very prolific brewer in the CDH community, and he has done a number of talks and conversations on these things. He references them as layers. How many layers of your combo are interactable? Right. The fact that Demonic Consultation and Tainted, or uh, Thoracle are two layers that are stack-involved 
not permanents that you can just remove and then it doesn't trigger right it's on yeah, the stack yeah. period um your layering becomes very very difficult to deal with and you see that in standard you well you saw that in standard you see that in modern you see a lot of different places where that card is just a pain in the backside well um, yeah well okay, so that, that, my, that car got to go <laughs> to, to, the, to that thought i mean the problem with i think with thorical and it, the fact that i i mean correct me if i'm wrong has the cad cdh community skewed around the card like they're all, like pretty much if you're not playing blue like if sorry if you're playing blue which is almost all decks in 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 uh in cdh not all but lots of them play blue um you're running thorical essentially right that sort of Yes, there there are certain decks that you you will see that are less specific to that, but right. yeah, you, you'll run it. Mm-hmm. And so the problem becomes like a deck like a green white deck. Is there is there a green white EDH a CEDH deck that's like reasonably popular? Yeah, yeah. there 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 are a few. Um, but like they 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 would struggle in a in a in a me, and like in a pod where someone's sitting there with a thoracle in their deck. They're like, uh, I am unable to interact with you even slightly. Not like, necessarily. Well, maybe, um, maybe maybe you're packing the manatees, but, but yeah. So what you what you see is magic controlling magic. Uh, what you see is uh, the the green white decks playing stacks stuff. Right. Uh, you'll see torpor orbs running around, which just cuts Thorkel off immediately. Right. Right. Um, you'll you'll see some effects. You'll see silence effects where you play breath, instant yeah. speed sack effects, and okay, you can't do anything like yep you played your thoracle i'm gonna silence you now so you can't play your demonic consultation and we're moving on right right um they they do stuff like that the the problem with thoracle is there are no alternatives much right. like your arcane signet ban where it's kind of ubiquitous across the board to say right. every deck has it well if you're running blue to the what you just said if you're not running Thorical, you have to have an extremely strong reason, reason why. Like, wh- wh- if you're going to the fridge, you're going to be It's a hive mind, right? Like, yeah. they brew together. We've come a really long way. They, Pub Stomp and CDH are not to be combined. I'll make that real clear. Like, that, they're, they're, we, we brew together, so when you bring this to the table to say, hey, I have this blue deck, but it doesn't run Thorical, People are going to ask you questions, man. You got It's like a PhD defense. Like you got to go through it to to get there, and then at some point they're going to go, okay, we don't agree with it, and you got to just play this out and just figure it out. But that's the way that goes. For that card to be in that position, I think it 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 should be banned out of most casual or starter formats. Right? Everybody starts yeah. in standard. Everybody starts in casual commander. Like yeah. get rid of it there because to deal with it requires a level of stack interaction and know-how about the game that like a lot of casual starting players don't understand. And it's just going to make a really aggressive, not happy play experience. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was I, a really great game, and then the guy just yeah. made three mana and won. Like uh, yeah, game, oh, game, okay. end, game ended. Yeah, on the spot. Yeah, I know for sure. I uh, tend to tend to agree with you there. Uh, that's pretty. It's a pretty dirty card. Uh, Lux, any thoughts on uh, on our dear friend Thoracle before we move on? No, not really. Yeah, cards. I te- I think I, I think we all agree here, Mike. That should, probably should be toast. Um, all right, 
let's go on. One last one last topic before we let Mike have a little show and tell time. We're running a little late here, but that's okay. We're having good conversations. So um, let's talk about the community. This is going to be a bit of a, probably a longer one. Um, what do we see in the community moving forward into 2022? Um, from where I sit there, Mike, and perhaps you can correct me if I'm wrong, um, I feel like the community around CDH has changed a great deal since I started playing Commander in 2014. So I, I began in 20, playing Commander in 2014, and at the time, CDH was sort of something that was out there, but no one really knew anybody who did it. And I think the pandemic and having more people than ever move forward with having like Twitch streams and videos of gameplay has really helped bring CDH forward in a way to make it grow as a mainstream way of playing, playing and interacting with magic. Would you agree with that assessment generally? Uh, in general, yes. Okay, specifically you do not though. I, I think there, there was some trepidation there in the voice. Yeah. So he, here's my position. As you guys have imagined or can pick up by now, I'm I'm passionate about these kinds of things. So I, I tend to wax poetic here. Um, so I think that within the last couple of years, even pre-pandemic, not not far pre-pandemic, but pre-pandemic enough, what you see in CDH is it. We tried to start bringing people in because you started getting these power, like there, there, there were power pushing through Throne of Eldraine and you started seeing these increase in these level of cards and these interactions. And I think what happened was there was a couple of conversations that started warning people like, hey, you don't want to do that because then you're going to start tiptoeing into this pool. And right. I think it, it, we, through awareness, through Twitch streams, through videos, through all these different things, through the rule zero conversations, through initiating all these things and us just hammering this home and hammering and hammering and hammering it uh, over and over again. I think the community overall has started to understand that like, like, like I just said, pub stomping and CDH are not the same thing because it, for, for the longest time that they were ubiquitous, they were the same thing. You know, the guy came right. in, he turned to me and then laughed and picked up his stuff and walked away. Like, we don't do that. Nine times out of ten, what you'll end up seeing is a guy will do that to a table and then the CEDH player will sit down with them and make sure they're miserable for the rest of the night. Like, that's that's what we do. Right. right? Like, we're not those people. And I think that us having those communications, those conversations to say, hey, what's your favorite win condition? Let's start the conversation differently. I don't want to learn about my deck. I know what my deck does. What do you? What's your deck do? And what do you want it to do? Oh, did you know that there's a way that we can do this like six turns faster? And then we have these kind of, and we open up all these different avenues and we do it on Twitch and we do it on videos. And then we see these cool interactions and people have become more open to the idea of these other faster decks. And granted, they don't have to play them. You don't need to play them. We're not no. asking you to join the occult. Like we're not, we're not, we're not that. It's just the fact that there's people accept it more they're more comfortable with the idea right. of us coexisting versus like i don't want to play with that guy in the corner because he's mean like it's not that anymore no I, I i would agree like i think that the some of the stigma like the oh you're the cdh player like and i would agree with you like i the cdh player is different from the pub stomper the pub stomper has no place in the game really um and if and if your goal is to go into a into a game or a pod and you pub stomp the other players you're doing it wrong 
Like, yeah. there's really no re- no room for you. Because, and like, I think my position as someone who's very much casual, and maybe Lux will agree with me here, is that like there is a very real distinction between what a casual player is and a CDH thing. Like, they're almost two different animals, right? And I, I've like I've made this in this analogy before. Like, a CDH deck is like a cheetah, right? Like, it is. Like it's 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 a lean, mean killing machine, and when it play when it matches up with other cheetahs, it's a it's a real fight, right? Now you get the ca- the casual deck, and some casual decks are like gophers, like they're just kind of dopey and like, and and the cheetah makes short work of them to the point where the cheetah is not even interested in it. It's like whatever, I'm not even I don't I'm gonna play with you, but I don't really want to play with you. Um, other other decks are like bears, they're big and lum- lumbering around. And the cheetah doesn't know what to do with it either. Like, what are you? Like, what? Do, how do I play with you? So, like, there's a real distinction in terms, like, and I, maybe the animal analogy is not perfect, but it's like, you get the idea, right? Like, a CDH deck, or a CDH player is very different from a casual environment. And I really think, like, I would like to see more of a distinction between the two environments. Like, they coexist, they do their own thing, and somewhere in the middle of that pub stomper that, doesn't, that belongs to neither party and doesn't want and shouldn't. Right, like, yeah. The pub stomper needs to decide I, which way are I you going. I, I think that the distinction that you're looking for happens in a rule zero conversation, and the rule oh, zero green. conversation only. I, yeah. I don't think that they're like they're there's always the bubbling talk of oh let's have separate ban lists and let's have different this. No, and no, that. no, no. You're never going to split the format. You're never going to do that because the, the reason why CEDH exists is because at some point some casual person somewhere realized that you could put a, a, a dramatic reversal on an isochron scepter. Like some right. casual guy realized that that's a thing that he can do and just enjoy doing it. And that's, that's the reason why CDH exists. So taking that away is, I mean, it kind of, it, it flies in the face of what casual logic is of, Oh, right. doing really cool, interesting things and, you know, taking it from there. I, I think that, there isn't really a deck distinction either. You know how many times I've sat down with a com- my so I have a competitive deck. It's called Angry Orchard. It's a Krom and Kadama list, and it wins through infinite landfall shenaniganry. Like it just right. does really dumb things. I have played that deck in casual pods because you just slow roll it. Right. Right. Maybe I don't play my crypt on the first turn. Maybe I play it when I need it on turn thirteen or something. Like wh- whatever it is. Like you. It's intent. It's it's interaction. It's it letting the different spells resolve, knowing how far ahead you have to look at the table. Right? Casual players are looking a turn or two ahead. We're competitive. We're in like a whole different mindset of like, okay, well, if I take this, if I remove this sax piece, is it going to do this thing or that? Like, it, it, they're very much the same world. It's just the intent by which you walk around in it. And okay, I think okay, that that's the big. That's the part that we're on now. No one is mad that we're we're playing in the EDH world. No. What no, we're trying I, I to agree. do is I'd figure agree. out who are these people walking around us and are we comfortable with that coexisting and having those conversations. Like that right. that's where we're at now. And I, I love it. I think it's awesome. The rule zero conversation that I hate your deck and you know, shout out to them for having it and pushing in on it. I think that that is that's the most important part. Because that's where you determine who the pub stomper is and who the competitive player is who dialed his deck back or right. borrowed a casual deck to make sure that we're all playing on the same level. Like, that's EDH. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. As like, so to, to sort of pick up this conversation here, like, so I spent my summer working at a summer camp with a whole bunch of counselors and like a lot of the counselors like to play magic, but they don't have their own commander deck. So I lent out my decks like mad and then to watch my decks play, essentially play each other. I'm like very clearly all my decks are in the same ballpark because no one ran away with the game on a regular basis. I'm like, great. And it was fun, right? Like all these decks are built in the same way and it was a great, it was a great, it was a great experience. So I think you're right. Like, like you can, that is a very interesting like discussion, like to see that when games go well, how much fun everybody can have, uh, yeah. can have. Um, I think you're right. Like, I think, I think one of the things that's missing in content creation in EDH is how to have that rule zero conversation. Because I think a lot of people have the notion that it's still like, well, I play a seven. Yeah, and no. the number scale, like you, it's trash. Say no more, Bruce. That is absolute garbage. And and yeah. the reason is because it's subjective, and that's also the reason why the rule zero content really is a challenge to exist. Because the rule zero discussion is it's led by someone, so you immediately yeah. have implied bias. Yeah. Like, if I ask you, like, oh, hey, are you cool with this? And, like, no, we're like, all right, well, I'm going to dial my deck down to whatever it is because I want to make sure that everybody else is cool. So it's it's hard. It's necessary. Anything that's worth doing is going to be difficult to some extent, so we need mm-hmm. to push past it. But, like, it, it's not it's not easy to do. The number system, I hate that. I hate oh. when somebody sits down and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm playing a six. I'm thinking you're not. Like, what's in the deck? Like, just tell me what's in the deck. You might be playing a six, but that six could turn into an eight real fast with, like, a random X amount of cards, which are pretty consistent in your deck. Like, what what are you doing? Yeah. Like, yeah let's no, talk. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, let's talk. And, 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 and then, I I mean, so I've, I, I mean, Lox, I'll let you jump in here in a second, but I, I uh, have had a similar experience where, I mean, I... Uh, how familiar are you with Play ADH there, um, there, Mike? Uh, familiar enough to probably know where you're going with this discussion. Well, yeah. So when they, <laughs> when they when they make you submit their deck your deck list, and I I did one for curiosity's sake, and the deck that I thought was a battle cruiser like their like low powered deck, they yeah. came back and said that you need to put more interaction, and then it needs to be played at a higher power level because of X Y Z reason. And I'm like. Whoa, 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 whoa. Like, really? Like, I tend not to, like, okay. Like, and I found it, A, kind of insulting because it's kind of prescriptive. And I'm like, you're going to make me put, take this out and put in a swan song or or some other, a few other pieces. So so their Discord, and Lux, I'll let you just swan dive in here. Uh, But their Discord, if you look at the way they analyze decks, they analyze decks based on the most popular way to brew whatever commander you sent them. So if it's a little bit offline, they're going to tell you how to put it back online and then go down that play group. That, that, that's me, how they, they, they roll that whole shtick. It's that's how they, that, that is how they do it. Huh? I thought they did. It, it, they like, looked... I, so I played a Hamza deck and I built it like Animar. Yeah. Right. Cause Hamza, yeah. you, you Free. reduce costs based on counters. You, you yeah. reduce costs for him and creatures you play. So I was like, Oh, it's like an Animar deck. So I built it like that. I, they came back and told me that the way that I wanted to play it was effectively incorrect, and I needed to kind of whip it back into we're going to make big stompy creatures in interaction if you want to play, you know. It, it wasn't, hey, I want to play a competitive. It was, hey, can you just tell me where my deck is at? 
Oh, well, your deck yeah. is a battle cruiser deck. And I was like, well, I can tell you right now that I've landed turn three wins with this deck and on very consistent occasions. Like, this is not a battle cruiser deck. If I sit down with a battle cruiser pod, I'm going to be ousted. Like, that's that this isn't going to work. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, for sure. Lux, any thoughts on on like maybe the rule zero conversation? Like, like again, like you're in a store, like you you see this happen all the time. Like, can are people in getting better at it, or is it still very much an issue? I think people are getting better at it because I've noticed that like the games that we have hosted in the last year or so, before people even sit down to play, they they hold the conversation, like they let everybody at the table know, like. Like what kind of cards are in their deck? Like if there's like any combos, and they definitely ensure that people know if there's any like bombs in the deck. That's awesome. That's good to that's, hear. I mean, that's good to hear, man. I, get, I, I think the questions are a lot of times people should ask about the player's intent. Like you'll yeah. you'll listen to Olivia from the the CAG. She's yeah, a yeah. huge she's a huge supporter of how do you want to win. Right, like if you tell me you want to drop two blue and a black in your well, partner deck, I'm immediately putting you at a seven. Right, like if we're using a number scale just because people grok it easier, I'm immediately putting pretty high on the board. Yeah. Right, yeah. like if I if I ask you how many mono rocks are in your deck, like okay, yeah, you run a crypt, you run this, that, and a third, and that's fine. So you're gonna be fast. But like, what are you what are you trying to do? Like, what kind of game are you trying to have? Like. Those are the yeah. questions that people need to ask, and I, I'm glad to hear that they're asking them in the shop. Lux, that's a good. Yeah. No, I, good absolutely. And I, I, I think I, I, my hope is for 2020, 2022 that there's a lot of focus spent on not just rule zero that it's the how to have rule zero. Yeah, how do we need to have that conversation? Because mm -hmm. that is the piece that's going to help us dictate and help that 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 CDH player recognize oh these people i'm playing with aren't all doing what i want to do i need to adjust what i'm going to do either in how i play my deck or find a different deck yeah. it's going to help us weed out that pub stomper that's got no place at the table it's like hey yeah. and and i, I think audience out there it's going to take somebody with some cojones to look at somebody you may not know very well and say hey dude that deck is not appropriate for what we're doing yeah. that kid's playing a pre-con that guy's sitting there with, uh, you know, Slimefoot and and Dirtle with tokens, and you're yeah. playing, like, souped-up Animar? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, get you're get out of Dodge. Like, get lost. So I think, I, I think the best recommendation I've had around the Rules Era talk is have it from game to game with a pod you're comfortable with to yeah. understand how you want to have that conversation. Even yeah. with the group that I've been playing with for six years, we'll finish a game... And then we'll all put a deck box out. We'll all open it up. We'll throw a card on the table and go, okay, are we cool? And then we'll have a talk real quick of like, okay, we don't like Cranko, but we're okay here. And we like this thing. So let's do that. And we'll swap whatever those decks are. Yeah. And we have that conversation live with people we're comfortable with. And it's helped me do it in the game shop to say, oh, okay, I have 11 decks that I bring in a backpack. I will swap a deck. I'm cool with that. But yeah. I'll make sure that we're all on the same page. I don't want to waste your time. Oh, I don't want to waste absolutely. my time. So let's let's make sure it's good. Yeah, because then Lux, you're gonna say something? I know I've mentioned this before in the in the, in the podcast, but then how 
Mike, how would you feel if I was running a deck that had cards like Jocko Hops, Tsunami, or even Exploding Borders in it, and I hid the fact that those cards were in there? Like, I blatantly yeah, hid I, the fact that those were in there, and we sat down to play. Yeah, so that that last line's the, the key word, right? And yeah. I know you threw that in there for the for the fun. So uh, part of our play group, uh, he, he's a good friend of mine. He he runs Jocko Hops in a Neheb deck, right? But we know that. Yeah, it's been brought to the table. <laughs> like we're aware, right? So we save the yeah. counter spell, we save the removal, we play mana rocks to make sure we're good. Like whatever we need to do to get it done. If you just slap that on, the, I'm scooping, walking away. Um, no, I'm not playing that game. Yeah, yeah like, we're pretty- if you <laughs> if you listened to our podcast before, they they my play group they they're kind of bad when it comes to proper. Th- so they, they punish them for it. Like I run cards like Choco Hops, and I make sure that they know that like, hey, like you people are the reason why this card's in the deck. So you all have the, the right to know that it's in there. Yeah. I mean, hey, if I know that it's there and I know that it's coming, we can play with it, right? And I don't even need to know that it's there, really. I need to ask you, hey, what kind of game are you playing? Like, do you want to make sure that you win the game with no other lands in play? Like, do you want to, are you a resource denial person? Like, I don't need to know that your resource denial is Jocko Ops. I can just put these things together, right? Like, yeah, like and those are the conversations. You, like, sometimes, like, I would have games where, like, I have lands, but I don't really have, like, anything else. Like, I don't really have a board state. And people would basically take advantage of that. And they start gunning for me when there's, like, bigger threats. And they, hey, like, there's this guy that has a whole bunch of creature tokens. And he's basically open that he could easily take you out. But no, they don't go for that guy. They go for me because I'm open. <laughs> low hanging fruit, I mean, man. They go, they go for I feel the like they, yeah, I feel like this is a conversation for the part two podcast, but uh, <laughs> definitely there's some threat assessment skills that pods need to make. And I think, honestly, if more casual players played CDH, you would understand what, like, you're no holds barred no political anything threat assessment looks like and your ability to look at a pod and look at the cards on the table and pick out what's going on because you played three games of competitive edh is increases substantially it's wild how much you just look at things and go okay do i counter that or does it interact here or how does it like you're right you're playing you're playing chess chess. you're playing like you're playing chess it gets wild so saying, what you're like, saying is I need to come I need to come to Philly now. I need to come to Philly and, and, and play some CDH with Mike now. Yeah, I'll get my kids in line. <laughs> Lex, what are you gonna say there? I'm just saying that they they this was a real story that happened. They they had the creature tokens, they he was they he had everything lined up to eat the other guy out of the game on his next turn. And I'm the one that that guy goes after instead of the one who's basically primed to throw him out. I mean, some players are uh, on the the table of, I guess I'll take second. Um, and, and I guess there's something to that. But that's Kingmaker I, I garbage. <laughs> that's Kingmaker garbage. <laughs> like, no, you'd be better off yeah, making a political deal saying, hey, look, uh, like Lux, you and me need to team up on him. Come on. Oh, well. I'm just saying they, uh. they, you could have just easily dealt with that guy first. They, yeah, yeah. If he had dealt I mean, with hey, that guy I first, he would have won. It looked like I don't know anything, you know, on the table. If if someone has lethal on board to me, 
and I have two other players, then my instinct is to try and come up with a way working with those two other players to handle that board or to make myself look innocuous enough that that player isn't going to come after me. Right. Like, those are my goals. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. They, me, and, they, me and Bruce have been talking about this. And like, I'm currently building an Ethroid deck. And let's just say that I'm kind of adding some infect in with Netheroy. Nice. <laughs> like, you've been building Netheroy for a year, man. We, yeah, we it's because like, we I, do a part two podcast and just do a threat assessment for the entire oh, hour. Done. Totally could. Totally could. I, I'm just uh, saying that I can't seem to get the deck built because every time I figure out what kind of build I want, I, I get new goodies in the next set. So, so Lux, we may we may end up stopping a, a, an episode and like just have like help Lux build his Nethroy deck, and we'll do it on air with everybody. <laughs> I got you. Because uh, we need to see this Nethroy deck come to fruition. It needs to happen, yeah. and then we'll help you with Jorn too. We'll help yep. you get you get Jorn. Okay, but it's getting late. We need to get to some show and tell. We've got uh, we got two decks. Which pick one, Mike? Let's do one of them tonight because it's getting late and we need to. Uh, <laughs> because we've had passionate back and forth conversations. You know what? It's been it's been excellent conversations. And here's the thing: I hope people out in the, in, in the magic community actually listen to this episode because I think there's a lot of really good conversation we had by people who all care about the format. That's the best part here. All of us care about the game we want to see people enjoy the experience of playing commander and we're trying to help people have that so um i i i don't mind taking the time and and having a long podcast this week if it means that you know there's good valuable conversation to be had so anyway let's move on let's pick show and tell time with uh with mike so mike uh you sent us two hit me two lists you got me a real list and a titania list what what's 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 the flavor of du jour that you want to share with us today? So I am uh, kind of a self-proclaimed is it wizard. Uh, mm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Rael. Uh, she is one of uh, my playgroup and myself have affectionately come to call the box the old ladies because uh, <laughs> Rael and Titania are both in it. Titania I've had for six almost seven years. Um, fantastic deck. Not going to go into it, but if anybody wants to play it, moxfield.com, look me up. We can get it done. Uh, but Rael, um, I'm picking her to talk about uh, kind of because, one, she can be played in Historic Brawl, and I suggest all of you do that because she it's is awesome. just fantastic. Um, the deck that I play, I don't run any tutors in. Right. Um, because you don't need them when you right. draw all of your deck. Um mm-hmm. Um, there are no infinite loops that are in my casual Rael deck, but she does have a list on the CDH database um, with uh, uh, Underworld Breach. She's a little bit more controlly, but really interesting deck there. A um, lot of variety. So, Bruce, what do you want me to do with this? Do you want me to just kind of walk through some card selection? Yeah, come, walk through some card selection. Like what sort of certain some of your cards gotcha. play, what role certain certain cards play in your deck? Um, to try and help the audience sort of understand the list audience will be in the show notes. So if you want to follow along, like pull it up and check out the link, it's on moxfield.com and sure. you can follow along in real time as Mike walks us through his deck. Sure. Uh, yeah. So, uh, the ultimate thing here is to kind of, first off, make sure that you're playing on curve, right? Um, Rael, the deck itself is very low, um, CMC wise. 
or excuse me, mana value was. Um, the average mana value of my deck with lands is 1.3. Uh, without lands is 2.0. Uh, so it is extremely low to the floor, but it is very, very important that you kind of maintain your Rael stability. Um, and the way the deck wins is eventually it's a Glenhorn Buccaneer type effect where whenever right. you discard a card, you deal one damage. Um, you can also do like a Phyrexian, uh, Phyrexian Crawler. No, not Phyrexian, Psychosis Crawler. Uh, mm. Whenever you draw a card, go there. So in Arena, I actually use Niv-Mizzet. Um, uh, right, the, the new one. Uh, when Niv, Niv, Niv is a parent. Yep. Yeah, parent. Um, and the the trick of the deck, very simply put, is to run discard outlets. Right. So, right. Uh, the first one up here is Cephalid Ink Shrouder. Right. Um, two colorless and a blue. Discard a card from your hand. It can't be the target of spells and abilities that uh, and is unblockable this turn. This is an extremely good one, but you can also run Patchwork Gnomes. Um, that's another one that was in there. Air Amoeba is one that came out in, uh, I think, Modern Horizons 2 that you can run. But running these free discard outlets to be able to kind of just dump your hand. Um, and then run things. It's it's wheels. Right. A lot of wheels. But wheels that can activate on other people's turns. So mm. an example, um, a Bowmat Courier from Kaladesh. Right, so one drop, play it down. You can pay a red, discard your hand. It's not an activated effect, right? You don't have to tap it, so you don't have right. to worry about haste or anything like that. Pay one red, discard your hand. Rael will see that discard happen and right. draw you a completely new hand. So if you don't like what's in it, oh, it that is so Done. sweet! Right, um, Diamond Lion. Uh, Diamond Lion is an LED on a creature. Um, yeah. So tap it, discard your hand. Uh, Rael sees that, right? So we discard our hand. We add three mana of whatever color, probably red in this deck, and we draw seven new cards, right? Um, and doing those interactions that way and trying to line them all up so that you can really maximize it, we run things like Mizzix's Mastery so we could just fill the graveyard up. If somebody's making sure that we can't play anything on our turn and I'm just pitching everything, yeah. we can Mizzix's Mastery everything back. Oh, um, God, that's so turbulent dreams, right? Return, uh, discard X cards from your hand, return X target non land permanents to their owner's hands. So, if I can get a count on board of say three players have 10 permanents a piece, but I can pitch 30 cards, well, I'll pitch 30 cards, draw 30 new ones, and bounce everyone's board completely to their hand, right? Yeah, baby. it's weird interactions like that that make the deck super, super stupid. <laughs> but hilariously super, fun super good um breakthrough is one of my favorite cards in the deck um x and a blue draw four cards then choose x cards in your hand and discard the rest so for one blue i'm gonna draw four and discard four then i'm gonna discard four riel's gonna, gonna see it you're gonna drop four more, more. right and That's awesome. In the middle of all that, I can do in different kind of instant speed and interaction, whatever my little heart desires I want to do. Right? Um, Winds of Change, Rite of Flame, Goblin Lore, right? All these cards that say discard and do this and, and draw that many. Talarian wins, instant speed, one and a blue. Discard your hand and then draw that many. Well, how about I discard my hand and then I draw twice that many? That sounds good. That's I'm fine. okay with that. Right? That's nice. 
Uh, ignorant Bliss. Remove all cards from your hand from the game face down at the end of the turn. Return those cards to your hand. So what you do with Ignorant Bliss, and this is probably where I'll, I'll either end this or I'll tag one more in here, but Ignorant Bliss is something you play in response to like a Talarian wins. Oh, so you don't or, actually. Or, oh. So you don't have to pitch your hand, right? Like right. You can, like you can put all the draws on the stack and then just like protect yourself. Or if somebody tries to wheel you, more importantly, if somebody tries to like wheel of fortune, right? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. That, you can just say, oh, I like my hand, I'm gonna keep it over here, and we're good, right? And nobody plays ignorant bliss, I promise you. They're like, I don't know what that is in, in EDH rec, but I've never seen that card outside of the deck I played in. <laughs> um, well, so yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, she does a lot of really interesting things, there's a lot of different artifact interactions, right? Grimmer of the Dead. Uh, pay one, tap it, discard a card, put a study counter on it, remove, remove three, and then put all creature cards from all graveyards onto the battlefield under your control. All so, good. Uh, pitch three cards and then do a rise from the graves for everybody. This is uh, so good. Like, that's this super good cool. for me. So, this list is cool. Super fun, super live, uh, like vexing sphinx. Uh, has a cumulative upkeep of discarded card. Yeah, but in my upkeep, I'll just I'll just keep drawing insane value cards. Let's do it. <laughs> now I noticed the title. You've no known named it Riel Thousand Year Storm Turbo. Yeah, but there's no so, Thousand so Year it's Storm. It's a homage to the way I used to brew it. I did run Thousand Year Storm in this to just get real dumb. I was but, gonna say that would have been just the the funniest thing ever. But anyway, yeah. yeah it, so. That's the difference between it being a five to six fun, like if we're using number scales, right? Yeah. A, a, a more casual list because I want to land this six drop enchantment and then do something goofy. Right. Versus right, right. me looking at the list and being like, I want to keep this as low to the floor as possible and instant speed everything so I can just constantly churn. Like this is a right. very... If you take this list and you compare it to the list on the database, it is very, very close. It's not Whoa. all the way there because I don't run Underworld Breach and I don't have Breach line interactions and combos and stuff like that, but it, it's close. And Whoa. it's because I can just draw a thousand cards. Love it. So. Love it. Sounds fantastic. It's awesome. It's the most fun you can have with your pants on. Well, that's a good way of putting it. Oh, <laughs> excellent. Love it. Uh, Lux, any questions you want to ask about Riel? Uh, no, not really. Looks like a pretty, that looks like sweet, a sweet, sweet build. All right. Well, Mike, thanks so much for sharing that with us. Um, audience, again, like you, if you, what you said, like I said, if you wanted to check out Mike's list, it is, it is in our show notes. Um, we also put the Titania list there too. If you were, if you're a green player, you know, us being green fanboys and all, if you want to go and check out more green, uh, you can go She's check out Titania. So as uh, just being something, just a little extra value here from the podcast. Malachi right. Talisman is in the list. That's all you need to know. There Malachi we go. Malachi Talisman in the guy's cradle. It's oh proxy. Oh my, oh my god. It's proxy. There we go. Good way. We can have, we can have a talk about proxies too. Anyway, that's another day. Proxy <laughs> and threat assessment, part two. Let's get it. Yeah, there we go. We'll, we'll, we'll line that one up for later this winter. All right. Um, so that's going to pretty much wrap up this week's show. Uh, before we get out of here, uh, Mike, how do people, if people want to talk to you more, engage with you more about your deck or your thoughts on the format or anything else, really, uh, how would people get a hold of you? 
So I am extremely live on Twitter just about anywhere at any point in time. So if you ever wanted to get a hold of me, you can get onto Twitter. Uh, my Twitter profile is uh, hang on, uh, DDM underscore gaming. And that's me. And it'll be Mike EDH dead. Is it in Digitamer? Um, those are my my thingies. So uh, <laughs> if you want to talk to me about anything and everything, EDH or, or, or most recently Digimon as well. Uh, I am here. All good. Sounds sounds sweet. Um, if you liked what you heard this week, folks, you want to get a hold of us, you can always email us here at the podcast at the Epic Experiment Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can reach out to us on Twitter, which is uh, probably the easiest way to reach out to reach out to us, particularly if you like 240 characters at a time. Uh, it's at Epic EXP Cast. And. Uh, Oh, something didn't recognize. Am I still talking? Is everyone still hearing me? You're here, buddy. Okay, you. that was very strange. It's just Craig right. being weird. Craig being weird or my USB port being weird. Uh, if you like, uh, you want to find all of our decks, you can find them on Moxfield. And look, uh, look. please, please use the, the username, the Epic Experiment Podcast, all one word. Uh, as always, you can also follow us on all your favorite po- podcast apps. So Podbean, iTunes, Google Play. Uh, TheLotusCouncil.com, Spotify, Amazon, iHeartRadio, a whole bunch more. I just went through them, updated them just last week. So lots of great places. You can always like, follow, comment, subscribe. Whatever you do gets the the word out there a little bit further that that we're here every week talking Commander and loving it. So um, by all means, check in uh, and talk to us about what's going on. Next week, we're going to be uh, back at it. I'm not sure quite what the topic du jour is going to be, but we've got uh, Sona coming on in two weeks to talk Brawl. And uh, so he's the resident Brawl uh, expert for the Lotus Council. So he'll be in to talk to us in a couple of weeks' time. And you know what? It won't be long before we're looking at uh, some uh, Kamigawa previews again. But that's for a little bit down the road. Until then, this is the Epic Experiment Podcast, signing off, wishing you all the best wherever you next play magic. Thanks, everybody. Everybody, stay safe, take care. Talk to you next week.